This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you're here. If you've got your Bible, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Again, this is where we'll begin in the Faith Hall of Fame. Now, as you're turning to Hebrews chapter 11, the, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, the, the Apostle Paul, he, he said this, this is Ephesians 2.8, he said, we are saved by grace, and grace is a gift from God. It's nothing we can earn it. And so God says, I, I want to save them so bad, I'm going to grace them. But it says we're saved by grace through faith. So what has to happen here is the through faith part is I begin to see what the scriptures say and I have the choice, do I step out and believe what God said? Do I trust his word even in the area of salvation? Now one of the ways, and this is one of the ways that faith is expressed, faith is expressed through your words. Through my words. I ought to tell you that. I mean, when you got born again, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. So part of, of being born again is my tongue, my confession. So the Lord said this, and this is Matthew 12, 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Better stated, is what is in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. So I like to say it this way. If you want to locate yourself, just listen to what you're saying. Or have someone tell you what you're saying and remind you. So we pick up, and I want you to hold fast to that thought. We pick up in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. By faith, the New Living says it was by faith or by an act of faith. The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Now, what you begin to see is in this passage, it says, the walls of Jericho fell down. Just like me and you, the Israelites had to believe and trust what God said pertaining to this. Now, to understand this, go way back into the Old Testament to the book of Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to highlight this. And so again, when I see what the Word of God says, I either believe it and I trust it, or I reject it. And sometimes when you read the things in the Bible, you'll look and you think, man, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, maybe not in the world's eyes, but God's a God's a promise. And God will do what He says if I'll step out and believe Him and I'll trust Him. So we pick up. The book of Joshua, chapter 6. Now Jericho, and when we study Jericho, the word Jericho here, or the city Jericho, it's one of the most ancient cities on the earth. It's an old city. And so it goes on to say, now Jericho was securely shut up. Why? Because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Now the reason it was shut up like this is, is because they were uh, fearful of the Israelites. They, they would not come in or go out. And so their thinking here was this. They can't get in and get us. So I began to look and I began to study everything I could find about these walls of Jericho. 
Now, I want to give you some facts about this because some of this I'd never heard. The height of the walls of Jericho were 25 foot high. The thickness of the walls of Jericho were 20 foot thick. I didn't say 20 inches, I said 20 foot thick. I mean, you think about how thick that is. So there's times if you study even the, the harlot Rahab, her home was embedded in the walls of Jericho. It just shows you that they could build those right into those walls. And so the descendants of Jericho were the Canaanites. And in their eyes, you know what they said? Because of these walls, the height and the thickness were invincible. No one can ever get to us. No one can ever touch us. So that's their thinking. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Now, just as God promised this to Jericho, or I mean to, to Joshua, he makes promises to us. And when he makes promises to us, we have a choice to believe it or not. Now, in this situation, when he says this, he said, I've given Jericho to you. Well, I'm sure Jer uh, Joshua's having the thought, I see the size of those walls and the thickness. And so he has a choice, do I believe it or not? Verse number 3. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. Now, as I read that, can you imagine Joshua hearing what God's prescribing? And, and when he says, you're going to march around it six days. You're going to walk around it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Just one time. That is one of those things that would make you go, hmm. Are you sure, God? That, that really doesn't make a lot of sense up here. But yet God told him to do this. Verse 4. And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times... And then the priest shall blow the trumpets. Now, he's, he's listening to these, to me, very interesting, but also could be very contemplating directions. Now, six days we're going to march around it one time and then we leave. And then that seventh day we're going to march around it seven times. And then they're going to start blowing the trumpet. Now, look how he ends in verse 5. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when the people shall shout with a great shout. Now as I begin to look at this, literally the blowing of the trumpets and the shouting was a form of worship. If you go back and look when they would carry the Ark of the Covenant or the presence of the Lord in, this is how they would do it. They would blow trumpets and they would shout 
And so here's the thing that I begin to see that oftentimes I believe we overlook. That any time I choose to worship God, that is a form of warfare. Oftentimes we overlook that. Something happens when I begin to worship God. And so he's telling them, they, they blow those trumpets and then when they do, you're going to shout with a great shout. Not a little mouth shout, but a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall flat down and the people will go up, every man straight before him. Now why does God give him these complicated instructions? It was very clear what he told him to do. I'm sure that Joshua's having this thought. So we're going to do all this you say. We're going to blow these trumpets. And we're going to shout. And these 25 by 20 walls are going to fall down. What would you do? What would you think? And you got to understand this. For, for years now, everything God's told Joshua was going to happen, it's going to happen. So I believe whether it made sense up here, he started saying, I've, I've seen God move in my life. And no matter how bizarre it seems, no matter how strange it seems, we've just got to obey him. Verse 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. Now, in, I'm, I'm looking at this here, and God's unconventional strategy here, if you, if you pay close attention, it included waiting, it included walking, and it included no talking. Very similar with me and you. Sometimes you've got to wait on the Lord. Sometimes you just got to stay walking by faith. And sometimes you just got to shut up. Now as I looked at this part here, he said, You keep your mouth shut until I say to you shout, to shout, The memory... That Israel had for the 40-year punishment was because of their mouth. Because of their grumbling and complaining and their murmuring in disbelief. It caused them to never go in. So you know what Joshua was saying? We're not going to make that mistake again. And so he basically tells them here, be quiet. So when facing great challenges... Don't permit your lips to speak unbelieving words. Don't permit your lips to speak things that go against what God said. Is that a big deal? It's a huge deal, and we're going to hit that a little bit further tonight in a minute. And so, again, now the people have the opportunity to obey what Joshua said or not. Same chapter, verse 20 and 21. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and all the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And the people went up to the city, every man straight before him, 
and they took the city and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man, woman, young and old, ox, sheep, donkey, with the edge of the sword. So now the lesson here off of this is it pays to obey God. How many have ever looked at things in the Bible and said, that doesn't make any sense? I've said that numerous times. But something happens when I step out and begin to believe what the Word of God says. And so what happens to us is the more I step out with the things of God and I see the victories in the area of my life, I go back and I remember those. And guess what happens? You, you recount in your mind all the times God's moving in your life and say, I remember when God did this. I remember when God did that. So I believe that's what Joshua was saying. I remember when God did this. And I, so do I trust the Word of God? And I do, I believe that God will do what he says he'll do. Now, I don't want to try to convince you. The word of God's got to convince you, okay? Now, turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 15. If you go to Psalms, you've gone too far, just a little bit. Go to Job, chapter 15. Now, I'm studying the book of Job a couple weeks ago. And I come across this passage right here. Woo, we're talking about speaking to our heart here. Now listen to this. Job 15, verse 1. Then Eliphaz, who was one of Job's so-called friends, the Temanite, answered and said, Should a wise man answer with empty knowledge or empty talk? And would he fill himself with the east wind? One translation says, he's just a windbag. Blows a bunch of smoke, okay? Should he reason with unprofitable talk? Should the wise engage with empty chatter? Or by speeches with which he can do no good? Yes, you cast off fear and you restrain prayer before God. For your iniquity or your sin teaches your mouth. In other words, your sins are telling your mouth what to say. The message says it's your sin that taught you to talk this way. Keep reading verse 5. And you choose the tongue of the crafty. Or the seat when it talks about crafty. Now look at verse 6, and this is the one that really got my attention. Your own mouth condemns you. Wow. As I read that, I have to ask myself, does my own mouth condemn me? And not I, yes, your own lips testify against you. Out of your own mouth, I will judge you. Now, it's interesting right here. So, in this passage right here, he's letting us know that my own mouth has the ability to condemn me, and my own mouth has the ability to testify against me. So, we like to say in America, we have an amendment right called the freedom of speech. Let me tell you something. Speech is never free. Words are never free. Your words are either death or life, okay? Where do you find that out? Well, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. 
And I want to walk us through this tonight. The power of our words. The power of what we say on a daily basis. Now what you're going to find in this, this is the Bible, this is the Word of God. The power of your words. The power of my words. You know, every day, all day long, you're affirming something. The word affirmation means you're affirming something on a daily basis. You're either affirming victory or you're affirming defeat. So watch how this verse or these verses begin to teach us through the Bible. Proverbs 18, verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. What a statement. The fruit of my mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Oof. The results of my lips. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, when you begin to see this right here, death and life are in the power of the tongue, the message translation makes this real simple. Listen to this. Words kill or words give life. Words are poison or they are fruit. And you choose. So the quality of life that you're living largely depends on the words that come out of my mouth. Now what I find out in my life and your life, we gravitate to what we say. Those people who say I can and those who say I can't, they're both right. They're both right. You go around all day saying I can't, I can't. Guess what? You won't. But when I begin to say because Christ Jesus says I can, something begins to change. And so whether or not you know it, all day long you're eating the fruit of your mouth. Your mouth is producing the things that are filling your life. And so some of the things that God has blessed, the faculties that God has endowed us with, one of the greatest faculties he's given us is my tongue. The words that I speak out of my mouth. So whether we realize this or not, all day long with my mouth, I'm planting seeds. Think of your words as seeds. So if it's a seed, I'm going to harvest what I've planted. This is so powerful. This has given me and you an insight of the Word of God, of how powerful it is when I'll speak it, but also the power of my tongue. I like to say it this way. There's 11th commandment, thou shalt not be hung by thy tongue. And so right here it begins to show us, you better be careful what's coming out of your mouth. I encourage you to begin to do this. Have some daily affirmations about yourself and other people. What do you mean by daily affirmations? Well, I'm to speak the word. I'm to confess the word. Remember in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, it says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You've got to get the word in your mouth. So something happens on a daily basis 
when I start affirming what the Word of God says. So whether that is taking a three-by-five card and writing five of those down and say, day by day by day, I'm going to speak this, and I'm going to keep speaking it, and I'm going to keep speaking it. And once you spoke that, then I encourage you, move up. Move up, and you'll find out it's very easy to begin, or not very easy, but it's very a discipline to start speaking things over your own life. It's another thing to start speaking things over your marriage. It's another thing to start speaking things over your children. And then your own life, or other people that are a part of your life. And so that's what I'm saying. You start with five, and you start going up, and you start going up, and you start going up. And so a daily, a daily discipline. I mean, there's things we're disciplined to do. On a, how many like to eat at least three meals a day? We discipline ourselves to do that. So you begin to speak those things. Speak the word of God. And I could go into this right now. You got to understand, this is this is 30-year process for my life. And so when I speak these in the morning, it'll take me anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. And I will begin to walk, and I will begin to speak them, and I'll speak them and speak them. Now, those, those first years, I would have cards, and man, I'd just read them. I'd start saying what the Word of God said about me. When you start doing it year after year after year, I'm telling you, they'll just roll out of you. They'll roll out of you. And so, for an illustration, I say this over my life every day. That I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood still speaks over my life. I thank you for your broken body. Because of what you did, I am justified. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Because of what you did, Lord Jesus, I'm sanctified. I've been declared holy. I've been separated. Because of you, I'm consecrated. I'm purified. I say this. I am the redeemed of the Lord. And I say so. The redeemed of the Lord says that I walk in divine life, divine health, and divine blessings. I will begin to load up on life, the life that I speak over myself. I speak healing over me on a daily basis. On a daily basis. Some days, and the majority of the days, it's numerous things. I speak the blessings of God. Now, I want you to go with me, and then I'm going to show you another thing that you can begin to do as easy as I can. Look at verse number 22 in this passage. And it says this right here. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. Now, if you'll notice some wording in there, it says, He, he, who is a he? That's a man. So you know what he's telling me right here? The man who finds a wife finds a good thing and finds the favor of the Lord. I didn't say that. God said that, okay? So as I would read this year after year after year, this became a head-scratcher to me. It was almost, how or why is this verse adjacent to life and death or in the power of my tongue? So think about this. He goes to saying, we're going to eat from the produce of your lips to life and death or in the power of the tongue to he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. I was like, it doesn't add up. Until one day. And this is what the Lord spoke to me and said. Your marriage will only be as good as the things you say about it. Ow. So again, 
What, what are you saying about your marriage? What are you saying about your spouse? I married the wicked witch of the East. All we ever do is fight and argue. See again, by those words that I speak, I'm putting a portrait in my mind, in my heart. And again, I don't care who you are, you're going to gravitate to the words that come out of your mouth. How many of you have ever gone into a room and no one had to say a word and you knew when you walked in that room, somebody's been fighting in here. It was almost an aroma in there of, of strife. You look like, whoo. So what do we do on that? I encourage you, if you're married or you're desiring to be married, start speaking the things of God. Well, what do I speak? Well, in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 32, it says, husbands, love your wife. And it didn't stop there. It said, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died for the church. So what would happen if I begin to say, Father God, I, I ask you today to grace me to love my wife like Christ loved the church. And wives are to respect and honor their husband. So what begins to happen is when I begin to confess what God's word says, even over my marriage, you're going to see a change in your marriage. Here's a great thought for you. You don't fluke a great marriage. It doesn't just happen. So when you see me, and I've been married almost 38 years, you think, whoo, he was lucky, 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 that lucky dog. I've been in positions where we argued, and we butted heads, and we butted heads. But something happened when we begin to speak the word of God. And we begin to say, Father God, we're going to walk in love. So I start speaking the word. Well, what if he's a knucklehead? Keep speaking the word. What if she's hard-headed? Just keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. Day by day by day by day. And so again, you begin to see the power of the tongue. I'm telling you, speak over your children. Woo, my children will serve you all the days of their life. What if they're not? Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking salvation. Keep speaking that they're tender-hearted. Keep speaking they're full of the Holy Ghost. Keep speaking those. Just keep speaking. What am I doing? Well, literally what we're doing here, and I'm going to get off a little bit, but in Mark 11, Mark 11, verse 22, it says, have the God kind of faith. Mark 11, 23 says, and whoever will say to the mountain. So guess what? Keep speaking to the mountain. What did he say? Whosoever will say to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, he'll have whatever he says. So, speaking to the mountain. Think about this. Man, a mountain's not a little thing. I wish I could tell you it always happens immediately, but something happens when we keep speaking the things of God over our situations, over the mountains, over our homes, over our lives. See, it's easy to become very negative. Speak the word. Speak the goodness of God and watch you'll begin to, to see changes. It's easy to be critical. Let me take you to a couple verses here tonight. Just on your word. And I want you to see how powerful your words are. Go with me to the book of Proverbs. Or Psalms 39. Psalms chapter 39. As you're turning to Psalm 39. 
My words have the ability to tear down and my words have the ability to blow up. And when I look at this, the same instrument that can sever a relationship is the very same instrument that can restore it. The single most, and I saw this statistic the other day, the single most reliable predictor of success and failure in a marriage, it wasn't affection, it wasn't common interest, and it wasn't money. You know what it was? Words that are spoken. Remember the old saying? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that was delusional. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will break my heart. And you see how powerful words are. The number one indicator why children fail is the words that's been spoken over them. You're stupid. You're no good. And so what ultimately happens with the child when I say those things is it creates a picture in their mind. And guess what? I know there's some of you in here that was spoken over you. That's a lie. God doesn't say that. So how do I replenish those things of God? i got to start saying what God says about me. You know what God, God says? I love you. I'm for you. Oh, I want to bless you. Psalm 139. Not 139, Psalm 39, verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with the muzzle while the wicked are before me. Now, it's interesting to me, the things he says here, that I'll guard my ways, lest I sin if, if it didn't matter what he was saying, then why did he say he have to guard and muzzle his tongue? And, and this passage right here is cross-referenced into James chapter 3. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be on the tongue here for several weeks. This is this significant that we begin to say what God says. And so we'll hit James chapter 3 before long. But again, you've got to understand life and death are in the power of the tongue. Turn with me to one more. Go with me to Psalms 141. Psalms 141, verse number 1. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now watch what he says. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. If my words didn't matter, then why did King David say, Set a guard over my, my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So when he talks about here, the lips are compared to a door because they are either opened or they're closed. And so what I'm saying on a daily basis, I'm either opening doors or I'm closing doors. Now, if you've come to church here very long, you've heard me use this analogy and there's times in my life, man, the Lord, will, he'll get after me. He'll get after me about the words coming out of my tongue. And so one day, I, I had some issues, and I was saying stuff, and just, just real clear in my heart, the Lord gave me this little thought, and it's a real, really easy exercise. But after everything you say, tag it with this and say, and that's just the way I want it to be. 
Let me give you an illustration. We're always broken. We never have enough money. And that's just the way I want it to be. We're always sick. And that's just the way I want it to be. All me and my, my spouse do. We fight like cats and dogs. And that's just the way I want it to be. I got tired of hearing myself say that. Because I realized the things I was saying. And you know what I began to say? That's not what the way I want it to be. And the Lord said, then quit speaking it. So that's why in James 1.19, it says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. So when I see James 1.19, be swift to hear and slow to speak, you know what he's saying? Measure your words. Be very careful of the words that come out of your mouth because they're that significant. So guess what happened? The Lord began to raise the bar with me again, and I love it. I, I love when, when God does that. And so sometimes, think before you speak or learn to be quieter. And the last thing I'm going to give you is, is, is years ago, when, when me and Shelly started realizing the significance of the Word of God, what, what our voices, our mouth was saying, we knew we had to do something extreme. So we gave each other permission that if either one of us ever said anything that didn't agree with the Word of God, the other had permission to correct you. I hated it. You know why? Because every one time I corrected her, she corrected me ten times. I'd be driving and I would say something stupid and she would say, why did you say that? I, I don't know. I didn't mean it, but you said it. The only reason we begin to do that is sometimes we need to hold each other accountable and say, I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to raise the... And so in my life, in my home, this is what we say. If you can't say things that line up with the Word of God, then just drop it in neutral. You know what neutral is? You're not going forward, but you're sure not going backwards. So when we say drop it in neutral, you know what that means? Shut up. Just be quiet. And so I can be in a conversation, and if Shelly walks by me real quietly behind me, and I hear her say, drop it in neutral, I'm like, I get those big eyes because I realize I'm saying something that ain't good. Now, I can tell you this, right? I don't get mad at her for doing that. Shut up, woman. I receive it now because, again, I realize, man, we got to have help in this. Stand up or nursery workers going to fire me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.